Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. It is 2021. Yay! Who feels me when I say 2020 did not go according to plan? So many things are uncertain and anything but business as usual. And performing artists and the industry that supports them were hit hard throughout the pandemic. However, the artists that had already built up an online profile and audience and they made social media a priority, they were the ones that managed to not only survive but thrive in lockdown and will be ready when things go back to normal, whenever that is. What I know for sure, though, is that many of us got through the lockdown and pandemic, and still are, by diving into even more arts and entertainment than ever before. Artists have the power to change lives with their talent. I truly believe that, and that's why I do what I do, and it's why I got into coaching musicians and actors in the first place. This is why I'm committed to help my clients attract fans, media, and industry so that they can book gigs and make money with their talents. Do you choose a word or slogan each year? I've chosen breakthrough as my word for 2021. If you ever feel like your progress suddenly slams into a brick wall, kind of like when the lockdown hit, (laughs) we've all been there. In fact, the harder I work, the more frustrating roadblocks become because when I still don't feel there yet, wherever there is. But I want to tell you that you only hit walls when you're moving out of your comfort zone. And if you're hitting walls, you're still going. If you're committed to breaking through, be sure to download the free resource, How to Attract Fans, Media, and Industry for Musicians and Actors. It's a roadmap for you to book gigs and make money with your talents. And you can get that at dianefoy.com slash freebie. And I hope you'll join me in this year of breaking through. It's our time. My guest today is Alyssa de Napoli. She is the best-selling author of the book, online course, and podcast, Dare to be Seen which helps artists command the stage, magnify their presence, and defeat stage nerves so that they can share their gifts with their audience. 
and shine their light on the world. She is an artist coach, hypnotherapist, and multi-instrumentalist singer-songwriter. She helps artists who need to find a way forward, get their project going, or figure out how to turn their creative, artistic, or performance skills into a new venture. The subtitle of her book, Dare to be Seen, is From Stage Fright to Stage Presence. And I think that is a wonderful place to start. Hi, welcome to the show. I love the name of your podcast when I first saw it, Dare to be Seen. And then I see that you have a book, Dare to be Seen from Stage Fright to Stage Presence. And I think that's that kind of the title sums up everything that uh, I think we all want to know is because uh, that could be that could apply to performers, musicians, actors, but that could apply to anyone who's like public speaking or even to have a fear of going on video because uh, social media is all about video now. And I know I've been putting that off as well. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. So I'd love to hear a bit about how you got started and which came first, the fact that you're a singer-songwriter or that you are a hypnotherapist and practitioner? Well, I started making music when I was pretty young. I was 16. Um, so, of course, I couldn't have been a hypnotherapist back then. But right. I became a hypnotherapist pretty young as well in my 20s. Except I um, had a problem with uh, performance anxiety. I didn't know that that was the name, uh, performance anxiety. I didn't understand what was going on. I just felt uh, very nervous uh, on stage before and after the performance, and I didn't really enjoy it very much. But I continued uh, nevertheless and tried to resolve the problem. Even though I was a hypnotherapist, I didn't quite, it didn't click, you know. It's like sometimes when you're too close to a problem, you you become a bit blind. You, you could have a blind spot. And for me, I had a blind spot. I just assumed that this was a problem that I had and, uh, and that couldn't be helped with hypnotherapy. It didn't even enter my mind. So I tried various other things um, that, you know, I took beta blockers. I took, I, you know, I would drink a couple of glasses of wine before a performance, but it didn't actually work at all. Uh, made it sort of worse because one of my big uh, fears was that I would forget the words of my songs or that I forget the chords of my songs. That was the main thing. And I would also uh, very much focus on mistakes and be afraid that I would not be good enough, that people would be judging and thinking, what the heck is she, does she think she's doing up there? She shouldn't be up there. And, um, and so therefore, I didn't have a lot of fun. And um, throughout this time, I, I was uh, still practicing hypnotherapy, but I wasn't focusing on performance anxiety at all. And I was, you know, helping with other problems. And then um, at one point, I basically came close to giving up completely because it was just too stressful. And I thought, why am I doing this? This is ridiculous. I'm not having a good time. And that's when I actually um, 
it kind of came to me. I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> there, there is one thing I haven't tried. I haven't tried asking my colleagues for help. Uh, so I did. And I went around um, and asked other hypnotherapists to give me sessions on this particular issue. And that really helped more than anything else uh, I had before. And so then I thought, okay, uh, I need to help other people. <laughs> and I, um, and so I started studying uh, the, the topic and started trying to find out what really was effective, what, what didn't work and what did work. And so then the rest is history. You know, after that, I decided to write a book and do um, in a course and, and the rest of it. But so really the two go in, hand in hand together. Right. And so before this, you were trying to be a singer songwriter, releasing music, but just the stage thing. Were you fine in the studio? Was it just a stage thing? It was just a stage thing. I mean, in the studio, you know, you can make mistakes. It doesn't matter. You can edit. Yeah. And uh, also I have my own studio and I work a lot on my own. So then there's time to relax. No one's there to judge what you're doing. So it was actually really, um, I quite liked being in the studio by myself because of that. Yeah. But I did find that, you know, there's something about performance with an audience in front of you. I have found that, uh, especially now after all these years and after feeling a lot more comfortable, that there's a magic that that happens when you're on stage that eh, it's very hard uh, to have on in the, in the studio while recording, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely a stage thing. And so since you've kind of overcome this, um, what have been some of your highlights as a singer songwriter? Well, just before lockdown started happening a year ago here in Scotland, I had a fabulous gig that um, in Glasgow uh, that I just felt, you know, it was just a feeling of, oh, this is what it's like. You know, this is the high that you get when you feel completely at one with the music it's almost as if there's no one in front of me I mean I, I am aware that the audience is there but um, I am communicating my the feeling of the song uh, directly to the audience and I, I am feeling it a hundred percent and it just felt like you know like Oh, this is what the divas must be like, you know, <laughs> the big stars on on the big stages. That this is what it's like, you know. It doesn't matter how many people are watching because it's about the connection with the material. Yeah, yeah. So that was one highlight, and then uh, also during a fringe performance a few years ago, I had um, a moment where I felt, oh, you know, I was talking to the audience. And I used to find that really hard. Uh, I used to find talking to the audience awful because either I would over talk, like just just go blah, 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 blah and talk yeah. about stuff <laughs> that no one cares about. Or I would just say nothing. <laughs> and that didn't work either. Or I would try, you know, I'd, I would have a joke and I'd think, oh, you know, I just have to repeat this joke. And then they'd laugh and, and then they wouldn't because it was just not... You know, it was um, manufactured, it wasn't present. And this time instead, I, I got it and I was just there, present with the audience and felt like, oh, these are just like friends, you know, that's, I felt in my power. 
and and felt connected with them. So completely different feeling. What are some of the tips that you include in your book? Well, there's so many, but um, because the thing is, uh, there is many different elements to this. Uh, there is um, there's many reasons why we can feel this way, but basically uh, it all comes down to anxiety and anxiety is pretty normal um, but when it becomes excessive that's when we have a problem and the thing is it's all about um, fear of rejection you know and we are um, wired to be afraid of rejection because we are social animals and if if we get thrown out of the tribe so to speak i mean in the past we would have died possibly if we were not uh, included in a in in our tribe but obviously these days things are a bit different but still it is seen as a threat so first of all we need to recognize what it is we need to understand become aware okay what is this where is it coming from um if there's trauma in the past that needs to be resolved you know um, and then there's uh, so we need to look at the past but also we need to look at the present we need to look at uh, the fight or flight um, which is happening when we feel uh, flustered when our heart is going you know 100 miles an hour when our throat is parched all those things that are a symptom of the fight or flight reflex so there are techniques that we can put into place and one of them uh, that's pretty simple that works quite well um, is a ritual that we can do before going on stage so that we calm ourselves uh, we we switch off the fight or flight but for this to work we need to do it before the um, the actual performance and so basically there's two things um, these are very effective and one is that we need to engage in in diaphragmatic breathing. So diaphragmatic breathing is when you're breathing through the nose, your mouth is shut and you breathe in for four, you hold for a couple of seconds and then you breathe out for eight or longer. But we need to be doing this for five minutes. And what this does, it switches off the fight or flight response and it switches on parasympathetic nervous system, which is basically responsible for us relaxing. And that's necessary. If we don't do that, it's impossible for us to think straight anyway. So that's one thing that we can do. And one other thing that we can do, if possible, that helps is uh, aerobic, aerobic exercise. Aerobic exercise. So that could be, you know, jumping jacks or running up and down the stairs 10 times. Whatever is basically um, simulating uh, fighting or fleeing from the enemy. In this case, the enemy is imaginary, but it doesn't matter because the amygdala, which is the alarm center of the brain, is uh, thinking that there is an actual threat out there. And normally the threat would be physical. So we would have you know, adrenaline and cortisol pumped into our system. And until we are fighting that enemy or running away, we can't really um, relax. So these two things go hand in hand together. I like to do the jumping jacks first and then the diaphragmatic breathing later. If, um, on the other hand, you know, the panic is happening during 
the performance. Um, obviously, if you're singing, that's it's quite difficult to do this. But if you're playing an instrument, uh, you can breathe. You can still breathe um, in this way using your nose. If you're singing, then it's a matter of the breath. Um, I mean, it's quite difficult to do this because you, of course, have to open your mouth. So you, you can't really do that. But then there's other things. There's psychological um, interventions uh, so that are really important and, uh, and they use hypnosis. And those ones are very powerful and you need to do them before the performances. So these sessions, you know, these hypnotherapy uh, sessions um, are to do with a bunch of stuff that depends, you know, it depends what you do. What you do depends on what is actually happening. So for example, if you are, um, you know, you are thinking about the past a lot, you know, or you're thinking about what happened, or you're thinking, uh, what if this happened? What if that happens? You've got intrusive thoughts, or you are um, anxious in terms of you're rehearsing in your mind what the, all the bad and catastrophic things that might happen when you're on stage. Well, there's different sessions, different interventions for each one of these. And they're based on cognitive behavior hypnotherapy. They're based on NLP. They're based on um, mindfulness. You know, it really depends on what is going on with you specifically. Right. And how do you work with artists? You mean to to help with this problem or in general? Yeah. So what, like, someone will come to you because they have a fear of being on stage and it makes them nervous and all those things that you were describing that you went through, they come to you for help. How do you work with them? How can you help them? That kind of stuff. Right. Well, first of all, um, if they come to me, uh, you know, one-on-one, then uh, what I would do is see them for a consultation first. In this consultation, we get to understand exactly what the issue is and where it's coming from. You know, is it just is is it just coming from imagining uh, the worst, so, such as catastrophizing, or is it coming from uh, a, a trauma, uh, something that happened in the past that connected to performing? or being judged or criticized or not being good enough, that kind of thing. Is it a combination of the two or is it something else? So um, once we figure that out, then I would see the person for a few sessions. Usually, you know, it doesn't take that long. Um, I, on average, four to eight sessions is enough. So that means a, a month or maximum two months would be enough to shift this. And then the person would have to keep on going and maintaining what they've learned, of course. But it's like going to the gym at first. You know, if you haven't, if you're really unfit, you have to go to the gym quite often. And then once you get fit, it's much better to maintain that level of fitness. If, on the other hand, the client couldn't afford to see me one on one or maybe um, they cannot for whatever reason. Then um, the, the, the next idea would be to read my book. In fact, you know, reading my book would be a great thing, a great first step, because then you really understand the principles underneath all of this. And then I've got an online course that I um, created exactly for this purpose, because 
actually in this online course, there's 10 different audio sessions and they're all um, tailored to different aspects of the problem. So, um, so if someone that couldn't come to see me one-on-one or couldn't afford it could simply take the course. And if, if they did all of the 10 sessions, they definitely would uh, find that their problem has been resolved as long as they follow the instructions. Um, because the 10 sessions cover everything, you know, cover all possible uh, aspects of the problem. That's great. Great resource. And also for the Dare to be Seen podcast, what made you start that? And what kind of, um, it, do you always have a guest on the podcast or do you do solo shows as well? Well, in, when I first started it, I, I had so many ideas. I wanted to talk about the transformational power of music and of being a musician. I wanted to talk about these stories, but not just my story, but everybody's story, other people's stories. Then I thought it would be good to, to focus on female indie singer-songwriters because, of course, I'm a female indie singer-songwriter. I understand what that is like. And I thought it would be useful to confront myself with other women in the field because I am really passionate about that you know when I was growing up I didn't have a lot of support uh, for my music I had a lot of people just kind of not understand why I was doing this I didn't have a musical background and you know I wasn't particularly encouraged and I was in a very male kind of um, industry all the bandmates were always uh, male and I felt insecure and I just thought oh man, I really want this situation to change and I would like to find out what other women's experiences are. So I started as an interview-based podcast and um, I was inspired because uh, I, sometimes I really didn't expect it, but I met a lot of people from different places in the world that had very different experiences and they were inspiring for me. It actually was empowering for me to get my act together and go, wait a minute, <laughs> these people are doing a lot of stuff that I want to do. But I almost felt like I gave up a bit on my music and um, and focused a lot on being a therapist and being a, you know, a coach. And, and I realized, wait a minute, actually, you know, I should get back to music because it's, this is really important for me. So mm -hmm. in that way, they were really uh, useful. And then now I'm kind of thinking, well... <sighs> I, I, I am enjoying these interviews and that's definitely going to still be part of the show. But I think um, I am going to try to do, to basically do more of a um, variety show. So meaning interviews half the time and half the time, I think I'd like to share what I've learned about um, songwriting, being an artist and uh, and basically share about topics that are dear to me to, to help um, other women um, feel empowered. Yeah, that's kind of how I started too. Like I planned on having a balance of guests and solo shows, but I didn't really do a lot of solo shows because, um, <laughs> you know, it takes, at first it was like, oh, if I'm talking to someone, I'm good. But like just left to myself with a blank screen, 
Yeah. <laughs> so I find like <laughs> interviews, it, it gets you started. And it's been amazing for, you know, making connections and, and learning from different people in the industry that we all, you know, either they are a performer or they work with performers in a different way than I do. And it's just been really great to learn from all these people. And then now I think I want to do a little bit more teaching and mm-hmm. sharing all that I've learned. Yes, I, I can absolutely relate to that. Yeah. Cool. So what are some of your hopes for the future? Do you want to do more music? Is there something else you want to tackle? Well, um, funny you should say that because for a long time I was quite dissatisfied with my kind of lack of um, initiative uh, when it came down to music. I mean, I used to be all about the music. And then after some experiences that, that were not so nice or not so positive, I kind of almost gave up. And But I was very unhappy about this for quite a long time. I knew that that was just wrong and I needed to get back on track. And then, and then um, at the end of the year, I got really fed up, you know, with the lockdowns and the, and just not being able to do anything musical at all. And I thought, okay, this, this is really time. It's time to change. It's time to be serious about this and, and find something else. So I recently made some decisions um, and I'm very happy about this decision. So I'm, I'm back uh, studying. Uh, I mean, I've been studying drumming for seven years, but um, now I'm I'm really practicing um, a lot and learning a lot. So I'm studying with Drumeo online, and they're a wonderful community. Then, on the other hand, I'm also studying um, uh, songwriting with the Berkeley School of Music, and that's super exciting. I've always wanted to be studying uh, with, you know. Uh, with that school, they're just so amazing, and um, and also just because it's not enough, I decided <laughs> also to started studying again piano with the Ridley Academy, and again um, Stephen Ridley is an amazing teacher, and it's just really opened my eyes to what I was doing wrong, and I'm feeling I'm finally getting back on track and just playing every day. And uh, I started also, you know, doing intros for podcasts and composing things. And and it just feels like this is the right path. So I'm super stoked about that. And then when I moved to New Zealand next year, in October, what I'd really like to do is to start again a night that I used to have here in Edinburgh. Um, so I'm going to be opening a, a sort of a dare to be seen night in Wellington, for uh, young uh, artists and not so young, uh, anyone really who wants to express themselves and shine their light. And and that's really exciting. I'm going to do that with a friend and I just would love to kind of explore in a New Zealand music scene and, and get out there in the real world <laughs> once again. <laughs> One day we can perform again. Um, <laughs> yeah. So why are you moving to New Zealand? Well, I used to live in New Zealand um, when when I was uh, in my 20s. So I lived there for 12 years and I'm a citizen. And uh, 
I here in the UK, you know, the situation is pretty dire, uh, especially with Brexit now, and uh, it, it just doesn't really look very good. And although I'm okay, I don't know. I just don't really like the atmosphere. Um, and this this COVID situation has really been challenging. And my parents live in New Zealand. I've got old friends in New Zealand. And it just seems like after going back last year for a holiday, that it's a better place to go to live, you know, just like in terms of uh, lifestyle as it's more green, it's more laid back. And I think it's a good place to um, to be right now. I mean, I, I would have a normal life if I lived there uh, at the moment. And also, uh, you know, I think at a certain age, um, you kind of feel, at least I kind of feel that I need to be with old friends and I need to be with people that I can grow older with and that I can count on. And plus my parents are there. So um, I don't, I, I think it would be good to be with them in their old age. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And your the night sounds fantastic um, that you want to create. You've done that before in Scotland? Yeah, it was, I had a night called uh, Open Space and it was basically um, emerging artists and I would, you know, people would apply to be on the show and I would uh, vet, you know, who I thought would be a good fit. But it wasn't only singer-songwriters, it was more like a variety show. So I had, you know, comedians, I had um, uh, musicians, I had poets poets uh, and I had storytellers and improvisers and sketch comedy and all kinds of things I mean it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah so this, this time I'm gonna do it with someone else because you know I just can't do everything and my energy is not uh, limited you know unlimited yeah. but but yeah that was fun and I thought oh I, I think I want to do something kind of similar um but um, I mean, I've got so many ideas, you know, I used to be a, an improviser, I used to do improv, I did that for three years as well. And I found that that was also really good for, for, um, for increasing confidence in performance and for being present, uh, really can be good for teaching you to be present. And, uh, and so I thought, oh, maybe I can, I can use those skills that I learned uh, to, to help younger younger people but I don't know you know it's it's all very open at the moment I mean I would also like to teach songwriting um I don't know uh, we'll see what happens once I'm there <laughs> you're like me you just want to do a million things <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too many things <laughs> too many and there's yeah mine goes in a million different directions and it's a it's a multi-passionate thing it's like yeah <laughs> we discover something new or a new idea then we're all in we're like dive right in yeah, I basically need two lives, you know, <laughs> and yeah. a team of 10 to help me. <laughs> you know, we could do everything we wanted to do if we could just clone ourselves, like maybe 10 of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we can't hire people because they wouldn't be good at it as much as we are. <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, it costs it costs to hire other people. And yeah, um, yeah. We do everything ourselves. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Cool. So... Um, I always ask, what is your why? Why do you do what you do? Hmm. 
Well, I why do I do what I do? Um, the main thing is, well, there's I'm committed to mainly three things, and these are connection and truth and self-expression. So that is what informs both the therapy work and the music. And in the end, for me, it always boils down to transformation of the dark into the light, if you like, or healing. You know, there's an element of healing in, in my music. I have always done it to heal myself. And, and now, it, it, you know, I, I do find it very therapeutic. And then, you know, in therapy, obviously, and in coaching, uh, there is also, um, you know, healing is part of it. So I suppose that's the philosophy underneath, you know, why am I doing all this? Well, because uh, what else could I do? You know, I would feel very unfulfilled if I did anything else. And I've tried, I've tried, I did many, many other different jobs and they just, none of them worked. And this is what feels in alignment with my principles. Yeah, yeah. And even when you described your the three parts of your why, those are three core values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So everyone should check out your podcast, Dare to be Seen, and go get the book, Dare to be Seen, From Stage Fright to Stage Presence. And where can people find you online? I'll leave links, but uh, what are your main website and socials? Yeah, so the main uh, ones are um, the dare to be seen podcast.com and the dare to be seen community.com. They're one and, and all, uh, one and the same. And um, my music is elisavulpes.com and my uh, coaching and therapy website is hypnotichealing.co.uk. And in fact, I wanted to offer a uh, a free resource for your um, listeners so if if they go to hypnotichealing.co.uk slash audrey um, they will actually be able to download the book for free so wonderful yeah you know um why not why not that's amazing um it sounds like a great resource i will go grab that myself and uh, thank you so much. It's been great chatting with you. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the episode, chock full of inspiring information. And be sure to grab the freebies mentioned. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers.